0: Welcome to Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today, we have someone that I was uh, looking forward to interview because this guy actually is into a lot of things as I am uh, one of them being software uh, and it's all related to real estate. So uh, welcome, Tyler, to the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast, man, I appreciate you being here today.
1: Hey, 100%, man. I'm glad to, glad to be on here. I appreciate you inviting me.
0: So this podcast is about where you come from and and how you got to where you are today, right? So where are you originally from?
1: Uh, I'm from, I was born in uh coal town in Pennsylvania. Uh, it's called Pot- Pottsville. Pottsville is where I'm from. Schuylkill County is originally, and then I grew up in uh, uh, Central Florida there on after that.
0: Good deal. And um, so you graduated high school in Central Florida, and then what happened?
1: Yeah, so graduated high school. I was actually, I grew up, I was homeschooled. Um, and uh, so I, I did the whole think like, I think I might graduated like when I was 15 or something like that. And then I did college wow. for like two years. Um, and out of there, uh, I signed to join the Air Force when I was 16. And then I was able to leave when I was 17 um and so uh did that as soon as you know i turned i turned 18 in basic training um and then uh from there you know went to some duty stations did some fun stuff and that lasted for like 8 years
0: so you were in the air force for 8 years
1: yeah so i did 6 years active and 2 years reserves
0: okay well thank you for your service um yeah 100% why did you get out after 8 so um so good question. So
1: I uh um I joined the Air Force as a um as a munition systems technician. So basically all connect, non-conventional uh warfare, I maintained, you know, the, bomb, the missiles, bombs, you know, small arms ammunition, all that kind of stuff, and um and supplied the flight line like uh, you know, with ordnance in order to go drop, right? And so it was really fun career field, but it was very much a um a career field that was it doesn't really lead to anything outside the military. Like you don't go build bombs for any other business besides you know, if you're for like Boeing or Raytheon or anything like that, and you need a a degree and all that good stuff. And so um, I was like, I want to do something more fun, right? Because when I joined the military, the main thing I want to do is I wanted to be a Navy diver. But there's some stuff that happened with my contract there. And so I ended up switching over to the Air Force. And and so I switched over to a career field called uh, uh, SEER, which stands for Survival, Evasion, Resistance, and Escape. And so I wanted to you know go out and i wanted to teach people how to you know if they got captured how to withstand that and stuff and so during that pipeline um i ended up fracturing my back uh my lower two vertebrae and so that kind of kicked me out of that um that realm and so after that um i switched over to the reserves and um you know kind of got into the cyber warfare kind of space and so that's kind of uh you know why i got out of active duty was primarily because hey i was at, at the end of it and uh, um, and i wanted to kind of move on to some other things and so there, there's a lot of stuff in between there you know from the time i got out of active duty and while i was in the reserves a lot of uh kind of uh i don't know you know I, I was a tech when i was in and so uh running you know night shifts and stuff like that i uh, got out in, in my north dakota and so like i went from there to finding out after i got out that my you know wife was pregnant and she was a a senior airman at the time, and so she wasn't really making that much money. Uh, we had just bought a house, and I was like, I'm going to go pre-med. So I got out of the Air Force, and I was like, I'm was going i going to go pre-med, I'm going to do the reserve thing, so I continue having health insurance, all that good stuff. And then the military was like, well, since you're no longer uh, in the military, um, like your position for your daughter's daycare is gone. And so we no longer had daycare, and in my mind, it was like a $1,000 a month. And like I was already uh, like basically going in debt $2,000 a month more and more and more. So I was like, okay, I gotta get like another job. I ended up having to quit school, uh, which sucked because at the time I had to stop going like in person and started going online so I can watch my daughter. And then I started working at what's called the auto hobby shop on base for eight and a half dollars an hour, uh, which really was pretty demoralizing because all the airmen that I used to like be the supervisor of and stuff would come in and I'd be like handing them wrenches and stuff and help them change their oil and stuff. So it really freaking sucked. Um, mentally, I was like in a really bad place in 2015. Um, and so, so then, um, uh, I ended up starting a podcast actually called, uh, talk CDL, it's a trucking podcast, the largest trucking podcast in, in the world actually now at this, to this time. And, um, and so at that point I was like, okay, cool. This business thing kind of makes sense to me. Um, started kind of to dabbling a little bit and, um, didn't work out, didn't make anything, um, at the time uh and so i switched back and started working for the government again and then started hacking planes and a bunch of other stuff and so fast forward 2017 i'm at where i'm at now in 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 northwest florida and and kind of got started into the real estate so kind of like jumped ahead but yeah well that
0: that that's a great deal right so um so this is not long ago i mean 2017 is just what six years ago um and and people will think if they see you today and everything you've done, that you've probably been doing this for the last 25 years of your life. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: a lot of knowledge packed in, in six years.
0: Right. And uh, so what got you into real estate?
1: So, um, you know, I've always uh, I've always been someone who who likes trying to build stuff on the side, you know, um, like my first website was when I was like 13. You know, I was like building a website it was called My Geek Central. Like it's basically like a, it was a, I don't remember when YouTube came out, but um, it was it was like I wanted to build a website where people um, could share like all their geeky stuff in video. Right. And so the time I didn't really know that much about programming, but I was learning and, it, and looking back now, like it, it was terrible. Um, but I was always trying to do that. And then while I was in, you know, I would I would create all the affiliate marketing stuff. Like when Amazon was before it was FBA and everything, uh, I created like a. Some workout websites. One was like beginner crossfit workouts, where you could go on there and you would, you know, buy like stuff and everything. And and all of them failed. Like all like all of them failed. Like, like I got to the point in one of them where I was making like a hundred bucks a month in affiliate marketing, and um, uh, you know, I could have really grown that if I'm looking back at it now. Uh, but they all failed, and so what i knew though is like you know sitting down like hey re- real estate something like you know every millionaire is you know is usually got started in real estate most millionaires are real estate guys yada 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 um so i started like looking the podcast um you know in earlier uh 2015 2014 time frame and stuff um you know i heard about the whole house hacking thing and so before i bought the house in my i was like trying to find a duplex i can live in and stuff and uh what i was doing is i was going around and and um you know, trying to knock on the doors of the duplexes and stuff that were there. And no one wanted to sell me a price where, where all I knew at the time was that like, hey, I, I know how much it cost for me to buy it. And I know that I need to be able to rent the other side to pay for my mortgage. And so all my offers were based off of what my mortgage rate was going to be and what I could rent the other side for. And I couldn't get anything, but I did get three houses that did want to sell, but they didn't. But I ended up just going to a buddy and uh, he would take me uh, to get a, a dinner at a, a local place uh, called JL Beers. Uh, and he would get a listing, uh, and so um, you know that's all I really knew. And then I heard about learning about wholesaling, um, and you know it didn't really make much sense to me in Minot. Um, but then once I got down here to um, to Ocala County in Florida, here I, I had ran across a podcast on uh Bigger Pockets. Uh, I forget what episode I think it was like man, episode forty or fifty something. There was a uh, uh, an individual there, Ari- Ariana Chris Lemire. Um, Good friends now, but they uh, uh, they said they were doing this wholesaling thing. They had done like I think it was like 27 properties at the time or something, and they were here in Okaloosa County. I was like, holy shit, that's where I'm at. And um, and so it must not be illegal. Cause at the time, I, everything I seen was like illegal, you know. I didn't think it was like a real thing. And so, um, but then that kind of gave me confirmation. And so then in in 20 2017, early 2017, um, you know, I kind of sent out my first direct mail campaign. And stuff like that. So that's kind of like how I heard, learned about real estate. What got me into is really just for me to, you know, make money. I wasn't wasn't meant to be an active income thing. It was mainly just to get rentals and stuff. And it kind of ended up being an active income thing to now a passive income thing.
0: Good for you, man. So, um, so you you started as a wholesaler, and yeah. and you were doing yeah. mailers. What what other types of marketings did you do at the time?
1: So it's funny, I. Uh, Um, at the time I thought that marketing was sending mail, getting response back and buying houses. Like, like I thought it was that simple. Um, and some people still think it is that simple. Um, but, uh, you know, so I sent out mail, um, and I didn't have money. Like at this time I was 60 or $80,000 in debt, mind you. And even though I got a government job and I was working for the government, I was, I was going through what's called a pathways program. And this is like, I still have. I, I ran across it the other day. twenty eight thousand dollars a year is what I, what I, what I was making, and um and I'm here. I'm ha- like I'm literally hacking planes and doing a bunch of really cool stuff, and the contractors are making like you know multiple six figures, and I was like, this is dumb. Like I'm making nothing, and these guys are making way more than me. Uh, and so I did some stuff, and later on, you know, I got to the point uh, two years later, where I was making eighty thousand a year. But even though even though I went from twenty eight to eighty, I was still going in debt every single month. And um, and it and it was primarily because of the way that I, I treated my, my my money, but I got too far. Really, is the problem is I, I got too far in debt and to the point where no matter how much I was making, I couldn't I couldn't have like that break that was needed for me to get out of it so that I can have compound growth, right? And so, um, you know, what did I do? Is I did what I, what I would not recommend anyone do is not at all advice for anybody who's in the in working for the government or in the military. Is I took. A credit card um, that I had is called a government travel card, um, GTC card, and I and I bought direct mail with it. I spent ten thousand dollars on direct mail. And I sent direct mail uh, from that uh, to all like absentee owners in Niceville and and in Fort Wallen Beach, and uh, and then as soon as I got, I sent that mail piece. I went TDY to California to a base out in the middle of nowhere for three weeks and you can't have your phone on you when we do our engagements or anything like that and all i remember is like driving an hour out to this base in the middle of nowhere uh doing our engagements for 14 hours a day and then going back and like going straight to my hotel room looking at my phone and seeing if i had any missed calls on air call or not air call um call rail and uh and and nothing it was dead all three weeks i didn't get one call and i was like oh my god i'm gonna get like effed like uh, i'm not gonna be able to pay back the government and like i'm this like super not legit to send to, to spend personally on on a gtc and so um i got back and i went to the ups store where i had a post office box that has my return mail and opened it up and it was just packed full of mail and i was like i went to the and then i'd like there was like a little yellow tag and I'm like, and what the hell is this so i took it to the front I was like i got a little yellow tag like oh yeah i was wondering when you'd come get all this and like they picked up the yellow and white bin and sat it on there it was like all of my mail was in there and i was like oh my gosh like i just got like thousands of mail back pieces of mail back from this ten thousand dollars and um so i got back to the house and i just dumped it all on the floor and basically just seeing money just sitting there that i didn't have and um, thankfully, you know, like three months later, I got a call um, and, and uh, I did end up closing a deal from that that ended up yielding like 15 grand like a year later. Um, but nevertheless, that was my first experience in marketing. I wasn't doing any other marketing at the so time. How, how
0: do you do with a $10,000 uh, charge on the credit card?
1: <laughs> so I TDY'd a lot. I was 50% travel. So I would go and go, go and go, come back and go and come back. And so when you travel, you get what's called per diem. And so um, basically when I go travel and get per diem, it would be about you know, like $2,000 in per diem or so. And so I just basically said nothing and that per diem just kept rolling on the card and ultimately made it disappear uh, wow. in some form or fashion. Um, and so I, I never asked any questions about it or anything like that when I left the military at, or when I left the, there, I did end up getting a, a charge where they were trying to get a bill. Actually, I ended up having a collection on me, actually. It was for $826. Um, that that randomly came in my mail like a year after I left the military or the government entirely. I don't know if that's what it was for or not, but I ended up paying it. Um, and actually, it was $1,223. Um, and so I ended up paying it. I don't know if, that, if it was remainder of that or not or some other thing they overpaid me on. I don't know, but... Um, so yeah, so so I didn't do any other marketing. In fact, after I did that marketing, I stopped entirely for those for for like the next quarter. So that was that was like Q one of 2017. Um, Q two of 2017. I did nothing and I just sat back and I documented I, like I was like, I'm not gonna spend any more money until I figure out like what the hell's going on. Now there's so, so many more resources available, like for the things that like we do and stuff like that, and people like yourself and many others to where I, you know, I feel like I could have continued going. But even now, like everyone educates, like you just got to spend more money. You know what I mean? I was like, I didn't have money to spend. And so, um, what I ended up doing is re everything. I used a, um, Google has ability for you to make Google websites. And so I made this Google website and I said, okay, what do I know about real estate? I know there's acquisitions. I know there's dispositions. I know there's these different things. And what do I know about each of those things? And so I made a, basically a, a menu for each, and then I put a start here. And I explained, and I typed out what I knew about that role. And I did that for each of the roles acquisitions, dispositions. Now I call it the four b- pillars to, to real estate, uh, but acquisitions, dispositions, marketing, and administration. And so I started at admins. I knew, like, hey, if people can start doing, you know, if I can have somebody doing stuff for me while I'm gone, then, you know, that'll be handled. And then I did marketing and then I did acquisitions and, and then Dispo. And so um, I just kind of outlined, like, how you pull lists. And then I outlined, like, after you pull the list, what I want you to do next and so on. And then I hired a VA and had them focus on pulling uh, tax delinquent properties and code enforcements. Um, meanwhile, I went and I got, uh, I already had this equity data that, that I had from before. And uh, and then I I did an ad on, uh, uh, what is it called? Uh, one of the jobs boards websites in LinkedIn or Indeed or whatever for a startup real estate uh investment company you know i made it sound all fancy and professional and stuff and um there was this uh lady uh julia who um was working currently at a property management company as like their front desk receptionist and she was only making like 17 grand a year or something like that so i was like okay well it's not very much expectations you know and uh and so it worked out perfectly where she ended up being my acquisitions person and some niche calling and so for those ninety days, basically, I kind of set up the the wheelhouse, the the the, the systems and the processes, and I learned what was wrong with the data, uh, and uh, I fixed it, which we can talk about later. But um, then we turn it back on, and in that next quarter, we did three hundred and fifty grand, and I had uh, quit my my job, uh, my my W two job, and from there, it kind of just continued snowballing. So, in in the marketing that we were doing, when we kicked it back on, what we were doing is is uh, what I call now as niche sequential marketing. And so, out of that high equity data and that tax delinquent data, there was twelve hundred records that were um, tax delinquent and high equity. And so we took that kind of niche list, and I had uh, Julia manually calling. So she called through each record, uh, each phone number left a voicemail, and uh, from that, I had some really big breaks, like you know, a uh, really nice flip, and you know, a uh, uh, really good wholesale deals, like portfolio deals. We would we would overlay that data and figure out out of those twelve hundred, did anybody own multiple properties, and um, and we would focus on those. And so we did, were really niche in that respect. And then I had a the other VA I had hired with the data management stuff, and she was just doing more bulk dialing as well. And so. Uh, we kind of unlocked like the secret sauce that worked for us there, and and uh, and just kind of continued following that through 2018, 19, and and on. So,
0: so that's why it's so important to know uh, how to segregate your data and 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 how to uh, understand your data, right? A lot of people think I'm just gonna go ahead and pull a list and 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 get a bunch of deals, and yeah. that may may have happened maybe in the early 2000s when there was not a lot of wholesalers and a lot of people going after the same properties. But today, that is not the case. You got to know your data. You got to know what you're targeting. Um, You you said a couple of words that caught my attention. Um, Something about marketing. It was like micro. uh, It had to do with with the data, right? Uh, So, yeah. and and then I started thinking about uh, offline. I'll tell you about something about that. Um okay. which is pretty cool, by the way. Um, but, you know, that, is that what got you to start into uh, REI SIFT is like, I gotta figure a way out to help all these people that are going after properties, how to effectively handle and segregate their data.
1: Yeah, well, so like, actually REI SIFT didn't start because of me wanting to help anybody, honestly. It was um, me, at the time you know being a cybersecurity engineer like i knew how to do like some scripts and stuff like that so i wrote a script where so one of the problems with the data like what was the problem with the with the direct mail data the problem was that 30% of it didn't have you know um the right information like it was missing a first name or it was missing a zip code or it was missing x y or z so it didn't come proper um, and uh, 2% of the data was a vacant mailing address, right? And so that got returned. And, and so I was like, man, like, lot, I wonder how many people are like sending mail to mailing addresses that they don't even know are vacant, right? Like that, like that, that seems like a really easy win. If you're just to do that one thing and you were a direct mail house, like you could just save thousands of dollars a year. Um, and so I wrote some scripts to just uh, upload a CSV file to, and it would break it apart into, um, companies trusts, clean data, uh, and incomplete data. And then so we take just the clean data, and we would skip trace that and send mail just to that because we knew like, hey, that had a full first name, it had a full last name, it it wasn't an LLC or anything like that. And so we would, uh, but we learned not to get rid of the trust and LLC data because it's like some of the best data to focus on. Right. And so um, after we did that, uh, we then uh, skip trace the data, and then got the data back from the skip tracing provider ran it through another script that separated the stuff that came back with phone numbers versus stuff that came back without phone numbers anything that came back without phone numbers we sent the mail to so we so we were hitting the stuff that most people that are just doing bulk dialing aren't really caring about they don't even know that they can get phone numbers for that stuff because they just get it back from the provider and just upload it right away right to call and so so we were kind of making the most out of the data even though You know, and you can do that at scale too. It just doesn't need to be niche. But um, if we, after we send a direct mail, we would skip trace that stuff in a second location and then get it back. And if we got phone numbers, we would start calling it. And if we didn't get phone numbers back, we would continue just to send mail. And so I set up that process with the CSV document stuff. And then um, I went to a mastermind and i i had told the mastermind how much revenue we did and how much money we spent on marketing they're like there's no fucking way like there's absolutely it's impossible you have to spend this much it's not repeatable it's not this it's not that then they were just dogging me it's like no it's like it's like you know you you just don't understand how to do it it's that simple i look it's like you know if you were just think about it this way if you're how many and i would ask him questions like like, how many people are you calling like well we call about you know a hundred thousand phone numbers a month i'm like cool out of how many of those people are wrong numbers, right? And they would be like, I don't know, maybe seventy uh, percent of them. I'm like, cool. Well, are you doing SMS? And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing SMS. Cool. So, are you doing anything to manage the difference between those two? And they're like, no. Like, okay. So, seventy percent of the stuff that you call that has wrong numbers, you're also sending text messages to and spending that money twice now. Are you tracking any of this? Like, are, when you skip trace stuff, are you skip tracing? like the same list twice like so just these little different things i'm like right there like right now in your business if you stop doing this this and this you would save x amount of dollars in in, in marketing and so it is possible it's just this a lot of times we we tend to ignore the things that are just small wins because we're just brute forcing success and brute forcing success is 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 it will last as long as it doesn't it's kind of like um, a lot of guys will get into the gym and will just brute force like their bench and stuff, and then they'll injure themselves because really, you know, their back wasn't ready for them to press three hundred and fifty pounds, right? And so just just things like that. And so um, when when they real when I showed them what I was doing, they're like, "Wow, that's really awesome!" And and two of my buddies, uh, Armani and and Jordan, were like, "Dude, you need to like turn this into something more." And I was like, "You know what? I've never had any success building anything that I sold to people." Uh, I've only so far had success in the real estate thing. It's the unlock. I think I understand it. I know how it works Uh, and and I'm going to continue doing this." And then I thought to myself like, no, I think that maybe I should. And so REI SIF was kind of born. I made a really simple website. I did a YouTube video showing like what it was going to be. And we ended up like getting 50 users uh, come on as what we called our founders. And and then, uh, you know, we continue building product and and slowly but surely it kind of like after we got a a certain amount of users more like okay now this is kind of like becoming their thing not really my thing no more i just kind of i just kind of have to be the person that says hey i know what you need i know i know what you want right but i also know what you need and and i have to now turn into where i'm educating you on the things that you need so that you can understand like i understand that you want chocolate right but really right now you got cancer and you got food poisoning and I don't know, whatever else kind of freaking sickness you got, you got it all right now. And so I'm going to feed you the broccoli because uh, I need you to get better. Uh, and once you get better, then I'll start trickling in some of the chocolate to, to you know, to make you you, you feel happy. Um, and so, like, that's where we're at right now is, you know, we built the product out for the last, you know, two or three years. And, and so we're at the point now where we're adding the chocolate in because we've done a really good job in educating people on what, you know uh, uh, and feeding them broccoli over the last couple years i think it's about time that we start doing some of the things that that aren't necessarily needed in business that um but however they they're really convenient because obviously convenience what sells at the
0: end of the day good deal man so um so you were solving your own challenge and and that's how you you stroke gold pretty much and 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 um indeed uh i mean that first quarter where you did $358,000, I think that's the number you you mentioned. Before that, how much money had you made? Like, uh, cause 350 grand in one quarter when you're first starting and no, not putting a lot of money into marketing, that's life-changing money.
1: Oh, it was life-changing. I mean, I basically-, I basically you coming
0: from the military, you know, so. Oh yeah,
1: like I said, I was, I was only making, in the military I was making probably like $65,000 a year or so as a tech. Um, and then I got out and I went from you know from that down to twenty eight thousand a year. Um, and after everything and for how much I was traveling, I was traveling 50% of the year, right? When you're traveling, you still gotta spend money, you gotta you know, do this and that, it's time away from the family. It just does it wasn't a, really good at all for what it was, um, for how much work uh work it was. And um, and so you know, after that to go to yeah, do 350k that next quarter. It was a lot right i mean it it allowed me i did what most people don't do right um because my 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 mindset is like everything is being produced for longevity right everything i do is longevity focused and so you know most people go out and buy their rolex and you know all this other kind of stuff but i learned my fuck up right like i learned that um uh I mean i used to when i was in the military like i used to buy a new vehicle like a new truck the first thing i would do is put about 4500 dollars into new tires new rims new lift kit new everything like i live poor right uh, even though like i had consistent money and this is consistent money it was the it was the the consistent money that made me a bad spender because i i didn't fear losing it because i knew that every month i was going to get a paycheck until the military had the moments where the government was not making money. And so they took our paychecks for three months until we had, and so we had no money for three months and then finally we'd get paid again. So I was like, Oh, wait a second, this whole retirement thing, this whole money thing that, that, that we say that we get, it's not guaranteed. The money can take it out from under you in an instant. Right. Um, and, or the, the military, yeah, that the government can take it out in an instant. And so, um, so anyway, it was a lot of money. And so I was able to go through, I paid off all of my debts um you know that quarter uh and and that really jump started me i ended up having thirty thousand dollars left over at the end of that year um uh because i i was like what i also realized like shoot i'm gonna have to pay taxes on all this money and i don't know how to i don't have enough time to do anything or learn how to handle that um and so i went out i bought a ton of cameras i bought a ton of monitors i said next year is the year of growth the year of doing it and so i'm gonna because i don't know it's not the smartest thing to do but because i don't know how to do it any other way i'm just gonna spend it all on things that I know are a write off. And, um, and so that's what I did. And so I had 30,000 left over from that. And I took that $30,000 and I put it in an account, um, uh, on a media company that I had tried to start the year before that was part of the whole trucking industry thing that, that, that I'm in. And, uh, that's called combat media. So I funded $30,000 to combat media's account. That's like my umbrella company. And, uh, um, and then yeah, that thirty thousand dollars ended up turning into a, an eight figure company, you know, two years later.
0: Wow, man! Congratulations. So you're still in the trucking business.
1: Yeah, yeah. I have um, um, I have the largest trucking podcast in the world. Um, it's kind of crazy. And you know, Facebook pages with four hundred thousand or so followers on those, and um, fifty thousand, twenty five thousand jobs boards. You know, stuff like that. Um. And so I have a, a recruiting agency in trucking, which essentially is a, um, a, like a staffing agency. So so we um, produce that, and you know we bring in thousands of you know jobs a month on there on that, and and so uh, of applicants, and and so that's that's kind of like my uh my my passion project right now. If you if if you'd say is turning that into um, so at the time there was another company coming up um, called CDL Life and. And they've done fantastic in growing their their business. It was kinda of like talk CDL, CDL life. We're all, we're kind of like growing and um and you know, I had started that with my dad and him and I butt heads pretty heavily um in decision makings there and stuff. And so I kinda of like stepped to the wayside a little bit, um, let him kind of continue to do his thing and um and CDL life kind of uh, uh continue doing their thing. And now they have like a jobs board and you know, their own software product and app for truckers and stuff. And so that's kinda of like my focus right now is is obviously continuing to grow uh, REI SIF, but um, also moving directions and creating our jobs board there and uh, turning that into a SaaS product in the in the trucking space, um, which would be super awesome.
0: Wow, man, that's good. Um, do you own any trucks? That, I know you and your dad. Are you you guys still together or?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my dad and I, um, you know, we're still good. He's uh, he's basically now on the like the recruiting company side. He's like the the main person who teaches like uh, new recruiters and stuff. Like, so he he teaches all that because he's been recruiting. That's what it, what he grew up doing when I was a kid, right? Um, and uh, and so he he's really knowledgeable on that and and just a master of his craft there. And so anytime we have a new recruiter come in, he's the one that teaches them how to you know recruit it's like that that business what i'm really excited about that business honestly is is it's very similar to wholesaling except for it's people instead of houses and instead of you know uh, uh buyers it's trucking companies you know what i mean and so it's a really similar process in in terms of the to understand the sales you know sequence and volume of it um and so here pretty soon probably sometime uh mid this year i'll be releasing like uh you know you know some programs in that and teaching people how to do that cuz it's it's a lot easier to make you know five to 15 grand a month in that business than it is in a real estate business and it takes way 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 less money and so it's really good for those that are like i just need stuff now it's 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 good catalyst um in the business just like wholesaling is for a lot of people so um but the uh i don't do trucks um you know because you know, there's a lot of like the trucking automation stuff that's out there where you buy the truck and do that kind of stuff i'm not in any of that kind of stuff um yeah so you're you're, a, you're, the,
0: you're on the you're on the employment side
1: Money, employment side, yeah. It, yeah, you know, more so because it's, you know, I've, um, I, I drove trucks, right? Uh, my dad was obviously, uh, he got into uh, recruiting by being a driver first and stuff, and I just, you know, I don't want to maintain necessarily the trucks themselves, especially right now. It's really, really hard to get, you know, access to trucks, to components, and and all those things, and, and loads and freight right now is 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 pretty scarce in general. Most trucking companies we work with um we we work with you know the largest trucking companies in the us and and i mean all of them right now are just the biggest trucking shorter truck shorters in general so i do know people though that are doing the automation space you know as well as you know quite a few people there i think like nick perry's and he he's doing some he did some stuff in that um and i got a couple other buddies that do stuff in that that uh that have crushed it you know but it's 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 kind of like uh it's kind of it just reminds me that model kind of just reminds me of like the people that over leverage them in the, as a wholesaling business, like as quickly as it grows, it can really easily be affected. So I just prefer to live my, you know, grow my businesses and, and, and live it in more of such a way that's like, um,
0: uh, I don't know, it's easier for my brain, it's just easier for my brain. Right. So let's talk about REI SIFT, man. Like what, what is the main purpose of today for REI SIFT? Like, If we can explain that in a nutshell to the people that don't know what REI SIFT is.
1: Yeah. So, REI SIFT is a sales and marketing CRM. Um, So, what that means is that um, REI SIFT is the start of your um, sales cycle and the end of it. And, you know, where does the sales cycle start? Well, it starts in your marketing, right? It starts in knowing, like, who are you reaching out to, who has answered, who has not answered. Um, and then once they do answer, what's the result? Right. And so in real estate, in outbound marketing, you have, an inbound marketing, you have a couple different types of dispositions that can happen. And a lot of businesses don't realize this, but when you're on call tools, you don't have property dispositions, you have phone dispositions. Right. And so every phone call is a disposition that you're dispositioning the phone number, they say the wrong number. Uh, or correct number is really what it boils down to. And once you get a correct number, now that correct number dispositions into something else, right? It's either interested or not interested, or a DNC. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, what REI SIP does is it allows you to manage that that sequence and that, that all the different types of marketing that you're doing and the results of it, those different dispositions, so that you can continue to enhance your campaigns. It's think of it like the direct to customer marketing uh, equivalent to like Facebook ads, you know, on Facebook ads, you can do like retargeting and do all these different things, uh, to try to figure out if, you know, if somebody responded to your marketing today, that you can target them tomorrow. Well, one of the biggest mistakes a lot of companies make is that they, um, they get like people that are not interested in selling today and they just continue calling like, Oh, you're not interested today. Cool. They just continue on to the next correct number. Right or the next wrong number on call tools. Well, why don't you send that non interested person and and have and follow up with them in like three th- three months from now? And they don't do that, and so they don't realize that in cold calling or in SMS marketing, it's all about what are you what are you spending per per event, per pickup, per dial that's attempted. What's it cost? That cost yields to a cost per correct number per result, and every correct number that you get, a certain amount of them yield a contract and so that's like at the bottom line like the core fundamentals of what outbound marketing is with phone numbers and so what we've aimed to do is make it to where the people that aren't answering you can find them so that you can decide what's the next marketing strategy i want to do if i've already done four you know cold calling attempts then those people aren't going to answer the phone so i want to take anybody who wasn't a, a a wrong number and i want to put them through an sms campaign or vice versa so it's all about moving your data through a sequential pattern to make sure that the people that aren't answering get the marketing strategy that they want to be communicated by right Uh, many of us we we tend to choose our marketing strategy based off our own like hidden desires you know sms because it's cheaper you know or cold calling because a va can handle it for me or direct mail because i don't have to do anything Um, and you know, at the end of the day, that that's uh, that's a good recipe for um, uh, you know ultimately having a half life for your for your business, right? Because at some point, that strategy is going to end up having hiccups, and and so you really need to do multiple different strategies uh, and move the data through a sequential pattern to, to be able to work through that data, and then that's where Facebook marketing comes in later and SEO and stuff to kind of put a blanket over it all. But anyway, as, as those dispositions come in, then um, once they convert to a lead, somebody who's interested in selling, inside of REI, if you automatically create a task for your acquisitions person, move it to like an acquisitions board, um, you can track your offers in there um, and all that stuff. So we kind of handle that, then that sales process internal, right? And we integrate with tools like smartphone call tools, air call, ready mode, so that they can communicate back and forth and, um, and, and keep, uh, keep things in line. And really, the most important thing—the thing that I think is the uh, really the the key to everything—is that I I I want people to start actually focusing on the fact that like the most important part of any business is 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 your team, right? So people in the business—it's the most important thing. It doesn't matter how good your dialer is. It doesn't matter about any of that shit. As if you have bad team members, and so if you have team members that don't execute on their tasks and you don't complete a task every, you know, if if they have twenty tasks to do today and they only finish five right then you're going to continue to to fail and so uh, accountability and tasks is really my biggest passion right now and making sure that you know um, most companies understand that as long as your team members have the capability to wake up every morning go to one central tool and click on a filter and see all their tasks that are due today and they complete all those and then they have another filter to click on their overdue tasks and they make sure all those are done as long as they do those two things every single day and something else is feeding them tasks, then your business will be successful. If at any point you end up seeing that your team members aren't going in there and completing their tasks daily and they have a bunch of overdue tasks and those overdue tasks aren't getting done, you sure as hell bet that your business will fail, right? And if you have that type of person that's not gonna complete their tasks, then your business will fail. And so um, if you have hot leads in your system and they don't have an offer on them yet, then your business will fail. Right. And so a lot of what we educate now is like, listen, you can be doing everything else right. But if you don't have the checks and balances and the systems in place to make sure your team is executing, then you're going to fail. And so sometimes the reason, most of the time, the reason why these checks and balances aren't in place is because people try to grow so fast um, that they create, uh, just create create a lot of chaos. And they get so busy putting out fires over here that they don't realize that this is smoldering until it's too late and so um anyway reisif it's the tool that sits in between your sales dialer that your sales teams are using your acquisitions and your lead manager and your marketing efforts to make sure that your prospects are getting all the attention they need when they need it and your leads aren't being forgotten about and everybody's you know got a task and all that good stuff and so it's kind of like it's kind of like we're, we're really building the, co- the competition for Salesforce in the real estate space. Like that's our, you know, HubSpot Salesforce pipe drive, the, the billion dollar CRMs out there. Um, as much as I love them, we use HubSpot in, 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 in my, uh, in, in REI SIF as a tool. Um, but there's nothing out there that's truly built for real estate. There hasn't been anything. People are trying to do it and they're focusing on just the wrong things. Like in my opinion, they're focusing on the wrong things. They're focusing on stuff that just doesn't matter. Right. They're fo- like these software companies. Number one, most of them don't have a tech background like I do. Like, um, like I'm a data by trade. Like I hack planes while they're flying in the air. Like I understand what doing things safely and, and and what it matters to understand data. And um and I've decided when we first started it that like, yes, it might stunt our growth, but we will focus on what the needs are, not what the wants are, because um I don't care about putting on my website. You know that we're the best, most important all-in-one tool. Like I don't care about the flashy sales terms that are just gonna make you sign up, just because you think that you have a problem that that we're gonna solve and you haven't even closed a deal in in your life yet, but you think you know more than me, right? Like that's just that's just not how we do things, right? Like I know what it takes to close deals. I own 560 some properties. Like like I know what it takes to build a portfolio and I know what it takes to make money now at this point. And so, um, so we don't do any of that kind of flashy stuff. It's like, listen, you're gonna come in, you're gonna absorb the information. And because of math, we know that our way is the best way. And you can either get on board with it or you can go find another tool. And in two years from now, you can come back. Like we have many people that do, you know? Um, so we're pretty blunt in that respect, right? Because I think, I think this industry needs bluntness right now. Like, like for the last two years, people have been fed a bunch of BS Um, and, and, you know, someone needs to step up and be the, you know, the uncle, uh, that comes in and says like, Hey, like you need to realize that life isn't fucking easy cupcake.
0: It is, man. You're right about that. So I saw a lot of, uh, CRMs in the past. Um, and I'm not going to mention any names, but I mean, a lot of people use Podio, right? So I can throw that name vaguely there. And I just did not like it at all. It was like, I had to go into too many spaces to do things and I had to create a property and a seller and 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 they were in different spots. And and then they started doing like automations. And we I, I remember we adopted at some point, a CRM that was automated, that had some automations. And I hated it because that created lazy uh, people working the system, like, because they were relying okay. on the CRM to do it all for them. And the other thing I couldn't see well with Podio at the time was like a pipeline type deal where I can see my leads coming and, and progressing through, through the life cycle of the deal. Right? So, you know, out of desperation, I went and and, and I guess I signed up for Trello at the time and I built a sequence on Trello on what a lead in my opinion should follow. Right? Yeah. Um, and then, I, I don't know if you ever met Keon but I bumped into Keon one time and he had built a CRM on Airtable that did something similar to what I did in Trello but his was more I guess it was more fancy I would say you know and, and it yeah. looked better than Trello so I adopted his CRM but he adopted my data from Trello and and to up till today I still use the trail, the, the the Airtable system um, I, Primarily because I can customize all the fields, however I want. Um, yep. And it's got the Kanban view, which is like, to me, that is the number one view that somebody in sales and marketing, which is what we do anyways, um, yep. should have. I was told that you were building that view on your CRM.
1: Yeah, it exists. Yeah. Um, it's called Sifline, And And um, yeah, it's super awesome. We, we, uh, we launched that probably about three months ago now. Um, it's still technically in beta. We got some new really surrounding to that. Um, but it's it's been super huge for us um, in general, like really helping the users understand. But to be honest with you, because we've done so well with our filters on our records page, a lot of people still just like click on their records page, filter by task due today and just do it that way. But it's nice to have the difference. And for those that end up leaving us and go into Podio, because they're like oh, Podio just has everything on a list. I'm like, I'm like listen, like. A Podio view is the same thing as a REI sift filter. It's the same thing. All of view is is a filter. You got to set it up. And and there's a and they're like, "Yeah, but it's just like a lot less moving pieces." I'm like, you "No, know, Podio has like way more moving pieces. Like it's all customizable. It's 100% customizable." Like, "Yeah, but I hired a developer." I'm like, "So you went you're going to go through that route. Okay, cool. So you're going to go spend $1500 for a cheap developer to try to build something out for you in a month from now your shit's going to change and it's going to break and it's you're going to like, "Listen, um trust me i i get it i get you want to feel like you're doing something in your business but if you want to feel like you're doing something go get on the damn phone and start talking to sellers don't focus on this because because until you're producing leads none of that shit matters because what what does matter is right now you're spending money on marketing and at, at the end of the day if you if, if you if i mean if you're not generating a ton of leads the most important thing is to try to make sure that you're not spending you know money repeating you know skip tracing and repeating calling the same wrong number so so that's the most important easiest win at the path of least resistance if you're spending a thousand dollars a month now but then by using REI if i can jump it down to 500 a month by doing the same effort then as i'm generating leads since they're already in REI if anyway like they're on there as a prospect now when they switch to a lead, it just updates and all that's getting tracked on the activity log and so now um what's super super awesome you talk about pipeline and seeing like a a view of like how long is it sitting here and then how long until it moves to here and how long does it move to here in my trucking in the agency business we use um pipe drive uh and i really like that i like this i like that i can see like hey it's been we've got 300 people sitting underneath a pre-qualified and then it uh it on average takes you know 14 days to go from pre-qualified to needs recruiter right and also i like seeing that right but if i didn't see that would it make me more money or less money? Like, does it matter? Is it going to, or is it something that is really just like a convenience? And at the end of the day, for me, it's a convenience, right? Because I know it, you know? And so, um, so like, we get a lot of people that's like, well, you, you can't really see any KPIs. I'm like, yeah, but well you can just document those KPIs in a Google Sheet and we have teachings and everything else. And other, otherwise, you wouldn't even have the information and even track the KPIs. And so, what we have the capability to do now, because we can see all the marketing efforts. And now we can see when people make offers, if they actually use the feature, right? You can make an offer in REI SIF, and if it goes from offer accepted to offer under contract, once it goes to under contract it switches to a deal and a deal has different types of deals. So you can be a wholesale deal, you can have a flip deal and you can track all the profits and expenses and stuff. And so what we can see now is quite literally how many dials across your whole business does it take to generate one offer? And we can see all this information on the activity log across your whole account. And so now we have, what is going to be the most insane, most like uh, accurate form of KPI tracking, possibly able to be done period, because we're the only tool that actually has the capability to see it all from start to finish, from sales, uh, marketing to sales, right? And so we're really, really excited about that. And that'll be like, that's the last missing piece for
0: us. Really. Man, I love that. I I can't wait until I see more about it. Um you're coming to attend growth to, as a speaker and you're gonna be speaking a lot on, on what the REI SIFT does, especially for guys yeah. like me that are doing, that are handling uh, data on volume and, and, and that are doing a lot of cold calling and text messaging and all that, right? So for those of you that are watching these guys, uh, uh, Tyler will be here uh, February three, four and five in Houston, Texas. Um, you know, he's gonna have a whole hour where he's gonna break down his system I can't wait until I see it because the last the last version I saw was like maybe two years ago. Uh, it was completely different, I, I believe, from what it is today. Um, 100%, 100%. Hey, I'm so sorry. Someone is like smashing on the door right here. Let me go tell go the ahead, person who's knocking on the door. One second. Ahead, brother, One no second. Problems. So anyhow, guys. Um, RI SIFT, uh, Tyler, it's uh, it's going to come to attend growth. So if you haven't gotten your tickets, go to attendgrowth.com and, and make sure that you get your tickets before they go up. Tickets are going up gradually. Okay. Uh, I believe they were going up today or tomorrow. They're going to go a hundred dollars on the general admission to like 397. And then VIP is going to go to like 1597. Do not wait at the door. You're going to pay $2,000 for VIP. And you're going to pay probably six, $700 for general admission. That's not what you want to do. Uh, I want to invite you to be there. A 10 growth is a mastermind it just happens that we open the doors for everybody to come and, and be a part of the event it's three full days from from nine o'clock in the morning registration all the way to um you know eight o'clock uh, p.m in the evening we have vip dinners and cocktail drinks and all that uh, and we're gonna have a great time you can meet uh, tyler if you haven't done so uh, he's gonna be there with about 30 more speakers, uh, we have a whole jam packed weekend, it's gonna be fun. So uh, I can't wait, uh, uh, Tyler. So were you able to get that door? <laughs>
1: yeah, I, that, like after the first one, I was like, okay, someone just knocked. After the second one, I'm like, ah, okay. After the third one, I'm like, okay, now I gotta make sure I don't have to like, you know, Glock pop somebody and smash them on my back door. There was a UPS man wanting to get up freaking stairs. Um, good. Yeah. <laughs> uh good. Yeah, anyway, yeah, I'm super excited uh, for the event uh really soon um next couple weeks right uh, yeah we're, we're yeah, like we're three weeks soon. away yeah yeah i'm super excited to be able to go down to h town um and um and really I like it. just texas is like an awesome place to me we have a lot of users in texas and so it's always nice to show up in texas and say hi to everybody um and
0: uh you gotta like your lineup is pretty intense you know pretty intense It is. Um, it is. We have a max capacity of 300. So, so our event is not about being the biggest one or the loudest one. It's really about the quality of the people that are attending, right? Um, you know, uh, you know, from the speaker lineup all the way. We got some special guests that are coming over, um, and then the, the the attendees of the event itself. They tend to be guys that are already operating. We don't we don't attract necessarily a lot of newbies uh, we attract guys that are doing a few deals a month, maybe a couple of deals or they broke from being a newbie into now having some experience and they're looking to see how they can, you know, do more in the real estate space. Like how can I grow my wholesaling business? Or how can I get into multifamily or commercial or, or knowing the tricks for, from the guy that does creative financing or learns the uh, fix and flips and, you know i don't have a big coaching program that i push i don't you know it's it's i'm not gonna go there and try to sell a fifty thousand dollar coaching program the whole weekend this is not gonna be a pitch fest what it is is i always wanted to serve people and and i always i like the event environment because i, I i've been going to events since like 2012 or so and there is a different vibe in these events. When you go there, you get all, all, you know, motivated and you're ready to go do business or whatnot. And um, I wanted to do that into the real space, uh, real estate space without having to be pushy on buy, 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 speaker after speaker, right? So, you know, this idea of this, the format of this event actually was created at that first mastermind where I first met you in, in San Antonio when Michael and Charles put that mastermind together, they reached out to me and I actually helped them organize it from a mastermind perspective. And then Charles asked me, "said Ricardo, do you mind if we bring some flies in the wall? And I, I didn't understand what he was trying to say at the time. He he just wanted to bring people that were not necessarily at our level, uh, because that room was packed with a lot of people that, that had a lot of experience um he was bringing newer people that wanted to like learn what we were doing and kind of like cut that 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 time frame from getting to where they are to where some of us were and i said well charles i don't have a problem you know having people like that in the room but we have to ask the other speakers because some of those guys may share things that might be very personal to them or or that may be way over the understanding of somebody that's fairly new. But one thing that happened was when when those guys came in the room, I interviewed a few of them. I said, look, what do you think about this whole event? It was two days uh, in San Antonio and, and they're like, oh my God, this was like drinking water from the fire hose. It was so much information. You guys were not hesitating. Each one of you presented what you guys were good at and whoever needed help on something, was not afraid of raising their hand and said, Hey, I need help in this area. And I said, well, what if I can replicate something like this? But then I open the doors for other people to come witness it. So yeah. this is what it is. It's a, it is a mastermind with, uh, I'm actually, I'm personally interested in seeing your system because I know that I'm using our table, which has gotten me to where I'm at today. I know that my data is being handled by my data manager uh Alejandro which the guy is amazing he's real good at tracking kpis and all that but you just mentioned you have a Kanban view now you can track kpis from calls made and calls tag you know and i'm thinking i was like wait a minute now i can probably put all my data in his system and track it uh, for my guys that are handling my data and for my acquisitions people to track it much easier that's going to eliminate probably 50 percent of the work they do by doing manual stuff so so i'm excited man i can't wait until i see uh what you have to offer um and by the way we created a special offer for your group only it's only for them there's it's not for anybody else um so if you're watching these guys outside of tyler's group you got you have to become a rei shift user i highly recommend it i've used it in the past uh full disclosure i'm not using it today but it's i believe it's because i think at the time I was not ready for it, Uh, not that the system wasn't for me. I think the system is for everybody. And and he has proven that you can actually get great deals by segregating data, by selecting your data correctly. I actually have a few students that use REI SIFT and they love it. And they're the one that brought it back to my awareness. They're like, Ricardo, you should look into this. Uh, They're my mastermind. So we talk about REI SIFT all the time. I'm personally using the cold calling method you guys use which is hand dial, um, you know I got a bunch of high-level accounts so I, don't, I didn't have to go to like one of those other platforms. I'll take that back I went to I think it was air dial or air call or something like that and I opened so many dialers that when my people started dialing they shut me down they're like what are you doing so okay. they shut all my account down and I had to go yeah. open a high-level account but we're using your, your a part of your not all your process but part of it which is hand dial that's how we go yeah. we do 300 dials a day per caller and it's it's uh it's doing pretty well so um uh tyler any final message for for our audience not really man the biggest thing is you know that i like to express to people's like listen if you want to be
1: the type of operation that just blasts and dials numbers fantastic right SIP was originally designed for that strategy right it was designed to handle and update you know, data from call tools and from ready mode so that as I get these wrong numbers, I don't have to remarket and resend you know, them through my SMS platforms. And then as I exhaust all records together, I know who to send direct mail to. And so the more money you're spending in your business right now, the bigger operation you are, the more you'll save by using REI right? If you're a newer individual um, and you're like, I'm just trying to get started or whatever, or if you want to do multifamily, I can't stress this, but mul- multifamily, then um, REISF is also super amazing because you can upload the data to it and as you uh, call through like the bigger deals, multifamily deals, you can just click next record, call through the numbers you got for them and you'll know which multifamily deals you're not reaching so that you can send them mail. You know, So that's like a niche sequential versus bulk sequential marketing and uh, at the event, I'm going to do a deep dive on niche sequential versus bulk, bulk sequential marketing and the pros and cons and if you were to implement different strategies, how much you can expect to save in your business. and Really, the hard part is how much you can expect to gain because you can't really put a number on opportunity cost. All I can really say is, you know, REI SIF the maximum plan is just, you know, it's like twenty seven hundred dollars a year. And I know that for most people, uh, you know, at a maximum plan of twenty seven hundred dollars a year, if you're even, you know, dialing with one dialer, you're going to save that trifold, you know, annually um and then you're gonna make way more off it so just come you know um if you can make it into you know to houston in a few weeks come hang out uh there's a lot of really awesome speakers and i'm really excited ricardo because of the fact that you you know like you said like i really i'm speaking to the speakers here right when i go and i talk yeah. i'm speaking to the speakers you know and there's just you know going to be other individuals get the benefit from it and so i'm going to be speaking on a relatively um you know high level in the sense that you know i'm teaching other you know, multiple six figure, seven figure, you know, like operations, how to improve and enhance their business and, uh, and add these little strategies that a lot of them aren't doing, honestly, like, there's, a, like, like a lot of bigger operations, they're not doing niche sequential, they're not doing what you're doing. So if some of these bigger operations just started doing that to like one more vexation, you know, or multifamily deals, like they could literally, it's the difference from companies going from like 2 million to 5 million, you know, and stuff like that. So um i'm excited man i appreciate you letting me come on and just kind of you know share my story I, I look forward to seeing everybody here in a few weeks and
0: um that's about it man thank you so much for being here tyler uh, by the way tyler is a sponsor to the event uh rei sift uh, contributed to the success of the event without these guys we couldn't make it through these events are very expensive to put together uh and it's it, we're gonna have a great time so i appreciate you tyler thank you so much for being here today brother And I'm looking forward to see you. Actually, tomorrow we have a call at 2 p.m. with the speakers. I don't know if you can make it, but I'll send you the link anyways. And, guys, don't forget to hit share, like, and subscribe. Make sure you go find Tyler and his uh, group on Facebook, Instagram. He's got his handle at Ariasif. I want to see you there, and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you so much. Peace.